I think no woman would be happy to be promoted simply because she's a woman. If her skills and experience for specific positions are not as strong as a male colleague, for example, this is, this is not what women are looking for. That they did ask these questions in an interview and, and the candidates are really taken aback because it's, it's something very personal. And then they also even rethink, would we actually want to work for that type of company? In your opinion, do you think quotas for, for females and other minorities in leadership roles are, are good? Could they, could they work? Do they work? That's what I really liked in non-stop because it was quite straightforward. Um, you just, everybody has the same targets. When you hit it, you get promoted. I think it's very important to have both. I think a company exclusively managed by women or exclusively made of women is probably not a good thing either. You're listening to the Non-Sub Talent Show, a podcast about recruitment, HR, life, and everything in between. Brought to you by international recruitment consultancy, Non-Sub Consulting. and welcome to another episode of the Nonstop Podcast. Um, this time we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Obviously normally we talk about recruitment and recruitment related matters, which makes sense, we're a recruitment company. Now in the lead up to International Women's Day, I'm sitting here with two of our most senior females in the company. Uh, both of them have climbed the career ladder pretty, pretty far here at Nonstop. We're going to be talking about uh, women in leadership basically. So firstly, Chloe, do you want to give us a quick summary, quick introduction to yourself? So yeah, uh, I'm Chloe. I started working um, for Nonstop Work and Consulting about nine years ago. I started in our part of its office as a trainee and uh, throughout the years I uh, kept progressing in recruitment and eventually moved on to a management role uh, that became bigger and bigger because um, I uh, then became director of the French unit to finally become uh, a more senior director of the European uh, divisions that we have at Nonstop. Now, just for our listeners out there, Chloe's being quite modest. Obviously, she's got one of the best performing business units. She's also opened a new office in France, just by the way. Um, Annalise, what about you? Yeah, so I'm Annalise. I'm from Belgium, and I also started in the part of Vitsa office in nonstop, just like Chloe, I think just like four, no, maybe six months. Or, I don't know. A bit longer, one year, I would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, one year after Chloe, and this was immediately after I was graduated. So, I was really, you know, fresh, uh, didn't have any experience, any knowledge. Um, and, uh, and I also, like, really worked myself up a bit quicker than I actually expected to, like, team leader. And at the moment, I'm associate director leading the Benelux team. And they are now with 25 people. So, so yeah, it went quite quick and I'm now um, eight and a half years working for nonstop at cool. the moment. Now, the, the reason why these two women are on the show today is uh, they are two of our most senior women, obviously, that I, I mentioned before, but also they are commonly referred to within our company as role models. You know, they are people who have progressed quite far and a lot of people in the business, women and men as well, look up to them in terms of what they've done and how far they've come and their leadership style and everything. So that's actually related to the first question I have for you guys, uh, basically representation and diversity in leadership roles, because it's, um, it's commonly cited that women are underrepresented in leadership positions across, well, every industry and, and sector and everything. Um, but we also hear of many companies trying to combat that by implementing policies and quotas, which obviously 
I, I hate that word, um, basically in their efforts to try and achieve a more equal balance. Um, so if you look back on your experience as recruiters um, and based on all the people that you manage now and in the industries that you guys cover, do you still see a discrepancy in male versus female leadership? And, and maybe, maybe is there a particular sector or not? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, go for it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chloe. Um, so if I look at the industries that we recruit in, it's mainly in the chemical, pharmaceutical, and medical device industry. And I must say that if I look at it, there are quite a lot of um, leaders in those positions. I mean, I don't know if it's really equal. It's hard to say. But if I look at the, the directors, senior directors, maybe even CEOs, uh, from some of the small startups, then there's quite a good representation of, of women in there, which I really like to see. I'm quite a, a big, um, how do you say, like um, advocate for that, because of course, women are really good leaders. And um, yeah, and I just see that, I don't know if they use quotas, uh, they never ever talk to me about that when they give me a position, for example. What could happen sometimes if they say like, oh, we have quite a lot of men in this department, so maybe preferably we would like uh, a woman, but they would never say it as like it has to be a woman or something. So, um, so they really look at, you know, who has the best skills in that sense, but they still really think about that diversity. And um, yeah, that's nice to see, I would say. Yeah. What about you, Chloe? No, I would agree. I would say that... Um, it's been it's been much better through the past ten years, uh, and women in leadership roles are more and more um, common. However, one thing I have noticed is that maybe for executive positions, especially in bigger companies and big corporations, they are still significantly underrepresented. I would say, and as a recruiter, I could see that women in these executive positions are mm -hmm. still a lot less, um, uh, yeah, a lot less represented than uh, than men. Any ideas why? It's a difficult, I think it's a matter of perspective. It's it's very difficult to answer that question. Maybe one thing I could think about is that uh, uh, women tend to have a bit of a lack of confidence and maybe they would hesitate more before they apply actually to these kind of positions, questioning themselves about being able to succeed and achieve targets in that type of position. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something I can see a lot more as well. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, but maybe also, I mean, Sometimes I think, do they really want that type of position? I think maybe a bit of this as well. uh, women just don't need to be a CEO of a company to feel like they accomplished, you know, enough or something. So I just, I just feel maybe not all women strive for that position. Um, but of course, the women who do, I feel they do need to get that chance, of course, to to get up to that um, to that position. And yeah, maybe women tend to doubt their um, abilities a little bit more than men because i mean just an example if uh, we call women and we tell them about the job and they see the job description they're gonna say oh but we haven't we don't have this or this skill you know and then they're already doubting if they would be good enough to to go for the position while men they would apply more yeah. maybe for roles where they don't actually um, cover all the skills that are yes. on the job. Yeah, a bit more confidence and potentially a bit of overselling as well, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. So I, we we hear this a lot, and and I see it um, may, maybe for more junior roles. I'm not sure, but the same thing. People, you know, women want to tick all the boxes on the job description or the job ad, whereas men, you know, fifty percent, and they'll go for it kind of thing. Um, so there's been a lot of talk in recent years about how people can write job ads differently to attract more women and and other people, you know, ethnic minorities and stuff as well. Um, do you think that's something that people can do for those really, really high-level positions, or is that is it a bit different? Do they need more stringent criteria for those high-level positions? I don't know if a job description could really help with this. Um, I already see that in some some companies when they write a job description, it's very vague the requirements. So maybe mm-hmm. some companies are already trying to just, you know, see whoever wants to apply, um, who could be good. So they are already maybe a bit vaguer on the requirements, but I don't know if that would be the main factor. I think recruiters could really help (laughs) just to, to make them realize that, you know, they don't have to tick all the boxes and, you know, to just put them at ease because we already spoke with the client and we know what they are exactly looking for and mm-hmm. and if they could fit so uh, yeah i think we can definitely um help with that because we really call everybody who could fit for the job so we don't really um you know look at specific people um we only look at skills really mm-hmm. okay and uh the the dirty word that i mentioned before quotas uh, obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan of quotas. I'm much more a fan of the model that we've got here at Nonstop Meritocracy, basically. Um, but in your, in your opinion, do you think quotas for, for females and other minorities in leadership roles are, are good? Could they, could they work? Do they work? Are they, are they bad? What do you guys think about it? It's, it's difficult to say, but um, it can be a good thing for sure if it can ensure more equal balance. And it might not have happened without implementing policies, for example. We've seen it again. We've seen women in leadership roles a lot more recently in the last past year, uh, the last past, the past years, sorry. Um, but we've also seen this policies being implemented the last past years. So is there a correlation between mm-hmm. them? It's possible. One thing, however, is that um, I think no woman would be happy to be promoted simply because she's a woman. If her skills and experience for specific positions are not as strong, as a male colleague, for example, this is this is not what women are looking for. It is, there is still an element of meritocracy in it, but has it been useful? I would say that it has probably influenced a little bit. Yeah, mm. and and I that's why I don't like quotas either. I think you know if you're if you work in a company where you know that they've got these policies designed around certain quotas and and you receive a promotion, do you? Why did you get that? Is it because mm. of your own merits, your own contributions, or is it to tick a box? And I, I don't know, the whole idea of just sitting there always wondering, to me, it doesn't feel very good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want it. <laughs> no. Because, you know, you want to be promoted because they think you are the best for the position and not because of, of the quota. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked the nonstop because it was quite straightforward. Um, you just, everybody has the same targets. When you hit it, you get promoted and... Yeah, and that's why also at some point we actually had the same amount of, of female leaders as, as male leaders. At the moment, the balance went a bit more to the male side again, but I'm sure it's still going to equalize again at some point. Yeah, um, and we've got younger females coming through who are going to step into these roles eventually too, don't we? Exactly, yeah. So 
yeah, it can always sometimes the balance just goes a bit uh, to the other side, maybe. Uh, I think also at some point you actually had more females that were in leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what really nice because I, I really think we all bring something to the table that is really useful um, in the negotiations and strategy. Um, yeah. When I was researching for this podcast, I remembered this story that a friend told me from years ago now. Basically, her mother, uh, when being told that she wasn't getting a promotion that she had gone for, she was told that the reason was that she'd indicated she was having considering having children in the next year or so. And um, yeah, this was probably a good 30, 35 years ago now. But I think we still hear stories of women facing this kind of unconscious bias. And I know certainly in the last five years, friends that I've got have been asked the same question. Oh, are you, are you considering having kids soon? Um, where do you want your career to go kind of thing? And I don't know whether this does impact their ability to advance their careers or impact their confidence potentially. Um, I don't know whether this is theoretically contributing to the gender pay gap that we keep hearing about. Uh, but based on your experience of recruiters, is this something that you, that you still see? Well, first of all, they shouldn't be asking that question because <laughs> it's a very personal question and it's not really related to, to them getting the job or being suitable for, for the job. Mm. Um, because I, I had it actually once with, um, well, uh, an old client, I don't think we still work for them, that they did ask these questions in an interview and, and the candidates are really taken aback because mm. it's, it's something very personal. And then they also even rethink, would we actually want to work for that type of company? Because they are asking these questions. And um, But that was the only situation where I actually heard that this happened. So I have never heard in any interview that this, this has happened. The only time when maybe there is a bit of um, reluctance is when the candidate is already pregnant. And they go for an interview because, of mm -hmm. course, you know they could go. Well, they will go in maternity leave soon. Um, but actually, I've seen also good reactions to that because mm -hmm. we actually just this year in January, someone just realized after they did the interviews they they became pregnant, and the the client reacted really positively. They said, "We're not going to change our minds." They still delivered the offer wow. to, to the candidate, and they just created a plan around it. Um, you know, so of course this candidate is even more motivated because, yeah, you know, they did this, they didn't change their mind and they didn't even react really strangely. That's some uh, excellent employer branding there really, isn't it? Because that candidate is theoretically going to go out and tell everyone they know about it. So yeah, Exactly. And, and this is something we would even, you know, say to other people, you know, to show how they just, you know, really take care of their employees and, and, and their life and, you know, the personal situation. Um, so, yeah, I think from my experience, luckily, it was only once where a client was a bit strange about it. But in other situations, um, yeah, I've never had a bad uh, experience with that. But I cannot really talk about other sectors. Um, of course, it's mainly like pharma, medical device. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in nonstop, not a lot of women have children. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that it hasn't happened that much. So, um, so it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. What about you, Chloe? Any thoughts on that? Not really the same. I haven't really heard anything related to this when I was recruiting, mm -hmm. probably more when indeed the the woman is pregnant that becomes an issue 
-hmm. quite often, usually, uh, we even ask ourselves, should we actually present the candidates or not? It's actually strange we actually think about it, of course, because we know that it might not be uh, the right reaction. So, of course, we still do it. But mm -hmm. uh, it's true that most of the time, then it doesn't go through when it's the case. But when it comes to actually having the, the, the bias that, okay, I'm not going to hire her because she might be pregnant in the next couple of years, I don't feel like I have had much, many issues with this, mm -hmm. actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the, the same in terms of um, potentially your, your clients, oh, sorry, your candidates that you've been following through their careers as well. I don't know if you've seen anything like that, like them maybe taking time off, not being able to get back on the career ladder or, or something like that? Or is, is this very old school thinking now? Not, yeah, not for my candidates, because actually um, a lot of them were pregnant after I, after I uh, placed them somewhere. And, um, and actually, again, the client was like, oh, you know, we have a, a baby boom at the moment. And they were, again, it was a positive reaction because they said, oh, they're having the same experience together. So they kind of connect on that point. And um, yeah, sometimes it makes them more loyal as well because, you know, they have changes in their personal life and then, you know, they want more stability on the professional life. And I mean, in Belgium, the maternity leave is not very long. Um, you know, it's just like three months, 12 weeks. So oh, wow, yeah. kind of get really quick back on it. Um, so it, it doesn't really interrupt, um, you know, your professional life that much. Mm -hmm. and um, yeah sometimes of course when people are pregnant they they tend to think about other changes as well but you know so I have also um, let's say someone who was in maternity leave wanted to change and started a new job after her maternity leave immediately so um, so yeah but nothing nothing negative luckily you know I, I'm super yeah. happy I can say this because and actually, this makes me really happy as well. I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that answer from from you guys because, you know, whenever you Google this kind of stuff, you just, you see loads of stories of, um, you know, the the bad side of it, the negative side, the, the companies reacting badly to this. So this is, this is really encouraging, I think. This is kind of exciting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it's a majority. We're just talking more about the negative things. Surprisingly, that's it. Mm -hmm. But... I would say that in majority, people have a bad reaction to it. I mean, employers. It's just that when they do, we hear about it. True. But we don't hear about the Southerns that do have a positive reaction to it. You're right. You know, people mm. turn to these, uh, to, to the internet to complain, right? Exactly. <laughs> they don't often turn to it to um, talk about good things. Yeah. Yeah. Human nature, I guess. <laughs> um, um, so my... Back to the, the research that I was doing for this, something else that I came across um, was um, a lot of chat about how women have different leadership styles and approaches than men and how that can basically bring unique strengths and benefits to companies. And there's some, you know loads of research out there about how companies' financial um, financials have benefited from this kind of stuff. Um, and again, like we mentioned before, there are there's certain traits that men have that might see them progress faster, like the, the confidence thing that helps them achieve those leadership positions. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how I necessarily feel about that. I'm kind of predisposed to say bullshit <laughs> because, because I think, you know, people are people and everyone should have these traits. Um, but yet I, I see it a lot as well, um, how these people uh, have different people 
differ. Um, and I, but I think here at Nonstop that we have such a good mix of people from different backgrounds and different genders and stuff. And thinking back to people I've worked with previously as well. Um, so I don't know whether certain genders or certain backgrounds bring different traits or not, um, or different strengths or, or not to leadership styles. What do you guys think about that? I would say they probably do, of course. I think it's important to have both. Like It's important to have any kind of seniorities, uh, any kind of backgrounds, because diversity makes it richer, doesn't it? So uh, mm -hmm. this is the idea. That's why I think it's very important to have both. I think a company exclusively managed by women or exclusively made of women is probably not a good thing either. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... I'd agree with you, realistically. I think people are people as well. Of course, I think we can't deny a few things like, yes, women tend to doubt themselves maybe a bit more and maybe a bit more confident, uh, maybe risking more as well, I would say, mm -hmm. taking more risks. Yeah. Um, that's a bit more common to sure. men from think, my experience. Yeah. And that's obviously a very important trait of a leader. Uh, so taking risks, you mean? Yes, of course. But at the same time, women might have more empathy and they might be more listening to actually the well-being sometimes of some of their co-workers and so so we need both <laughs> realistically yeah because okay. yeah it's you always generalize of course because there is always like you know the, the other side because i have also a lot of men in my team that are maybe not as confident you know and who have then also more like empathy um and yeah. things like that so it's always a generalization because yeah there are different exactly. men and different women but it's, I do agree that if you do generalize it, that um, men would take more risks and that women are maybe a bit more caring, empathetic, um, you know, like, like type, which you also need as a leader because you need to know your team and who you're working with and how, how you can manage them the best. Um, so, yeah, so a mix, like Lori said, is, um, is definitely needed. But again, it's always a generalization. Sure. Um, so before I before I get on to my last question, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add um, in terms of women in leadership or women in business? Any other thoughts? I don't know. I just I would like to actually see how many leaders there are in, in recruitment, you know, and female leaders, because I only worked a nonstop. As I said, I, I came here just after I graduated. And when I started, when I looked at the top 10, um, there was only like two in there and it just really like inspired me you know to to also like get more women in there not me particularly but just in general i was like come on you know we can do as good as as the men and then you know and then chloe went before me and then you know it's just um i think when you see that as well it's really ins like inspiring for others and um, um yeah it just gives them like a sense of like oh we can do that as well because I don't know, I think, I don't know how it is now, but I just see in recruitment and agencies that maybe still a bit male dominated, mm. but I have no numbers. This is just maybe an assumption. And then if you look at um, women more in the talent acquisition internally in companies, there would be maybe more women than men from what I see, mm. um, but I don't have the right data, of course. Um, so yeah, I just hope that in recruitment, you know, there will be also a lot more female leaders and that they will see their ability to do that and that they get um, the same chances as here in nonstop. Um, yeah, to be able to do that as well. Cool. 
Right, so that leads me on to my last question then. So obviously we have talked a little bit about um, the fact that you guys are um, uh, some of our senior leaders here at Nonstop. I'm interested to hear a little bit about your leadership journeys, basically, and what are, what are some of the key lessons that you learned or potentially a piece of advice that you would give to your junior self or another junior female trying to climb her way up the ladder? Chloe, do you want to go first? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to just focus on <laughs> achieving the objective every day. <laughs> That's what matters the most. Um, and then and then the rewards should come, really. So I guess setting those clear objectives first yes. and then figuring out how to achieve them. Yes, of course, and not really looking around and just focus on on what she, she wants to do. Mm-hmm. What about you, Annalise? Well, I learned a lot. <laughs> That's the first thing. Because um, I think as a manager, you never stop learning um, because you always have different people. So it's really hard to pinpoint what the most important thing is, I would say, because I've learned so many things and you keep learning. So maybe that's already a tip on itself. I mean, you know, as a, as a leader, you always keep learning and you should be open to that and you should be open to make mistakes as well, because yeah, you definitely make mistakes and you cannot take that away um, because you're working with people. So, so yeah. Maybe that ties in with what Chloe said, you know, to have your objectives and work towards it and make sure that nothing distracts okay. you. Really. Mm. Yeah, and that you're okay with making mistakes along the way because it's not like a straight line um, to success. Um, no. Mm. So it's a good point, actually. It's yeah, it's always going to go up and down. And, yeah. and you yeah. want to give up along the way, but. <laughs> you can't exactly. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard sometimes. And. You know, because I had really ups and then downs again, and then it kind of motivates me to go up again. Um, but but it's never uh, a straight line, so you you need to be okay with like um, going a bit up and down mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I I think we've actually got a poster to that effect on the wall somewhere around here. I remember it. Yeah. Success isn't a straight line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Well, is there anything else either of you wanted to add? No, it's uh, good to see that there is a lot more improvements, generally speaking, anyway. so Yeah, I'm actually really encouraged by this conversation. I wasn't expecting to hear all this good news, basically. But again, I think that comes back to what we were saying before about it's just, just negative people that like to complain online, basically. Yeah, a lot. Mm. Exactly. And also, again, it's about staying positive in everything. So, so if you already have that assumption because you're a woman, it's not going to work, then of course, it's going to be hard to actually get there. So you just need to, you, you know, think like, no, you know, I'm positive, it's going to work, I can do this. And, um, and then, yeah, you will get there, for sure. Yeah. Um, and if you are in a company that doesn't give you those opportunities, change, <laughs> contact nonstop. <laughs> we, will, we, will, we will find you a, a better company to work for. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. Thanks for joining us today. It was great to hear your thoughts and opinions. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Bye. Sarah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Nonstop Talent Show. If you want to be sure to catch the next episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Spotify, and iTunes. If you have any questions about the discussion today, or if you'd like to get involved in a future episode, contact us via email at podcast at nonstopconsulting.com. If you'd like to hear more information about who we are and 
what we do, head over to www.nonstopconsulting.com.